Welcome to our podcast, Forgotten Victims, The Forensic Interview. Forensic interviewing traditionally has been associated with child victims. Over the past decade, there's been an evolution in the field of forensic interviewing where it's being applied to vulnerable victims of all ages, forgotten victims, victims with disabilities, mental health disorders, and older adult populations. On today's episode, Scott and I are back, and we are going to be talking about when is enough enough. So what do we mean by that? What we mean is, you know, sometimes there are blocks and barriers in the interviews that we do, and we have to figure out when do we sort of call it? At what point have we done enough? At what point have we tried all the things? So we're going to be touching base about that uh, about that today. So that's, uh, that's what we're up to. How are you doing, Scott? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing good. Good. All right. Well... Why don't we start by talking about traditional barriers and blocks, and then we'll kick it up a notch and get a little bit more complex in, in the discussion. And uh, I'm sure some of our uh, listeners who are forensic interviewers have probably experienced certainly some of the traditional barriers and blocks, but maybe uh, some of these other ones as well. So I, I have a couple in mind that I think we'll talk about, but why don't you kick us off with some traditional barriers and blocks, or maybe you just don't want to talk about it. Uh, maybe I don't want to talk about it, which is one of the blocks that we definitely see. Tell me more about not wanting to talk about it. <laughs> That's a perfect response. So the ones that we are used to, right? So I'm embarrassed when there's that guilt and shame associated. Somebody doesn't want to get somebody else in trouble, or they just don't want to talk about it on that day for whatever reason. We talk about exploring it. We talk about that reassurance that's legally defensible and hopefully working through it during that conversation so that the person feels empowered to continue talking about their story, whatever it is they're sharing with us. So, you know, we're sort of used to those. Those are ones that we expect with We train people how to address those. Those come up more often. But sometimes you have barriers or or blocks or situations that make it incredibly difficult uh, I can kick it off with one I I'm I used you're looking at me like you have one but I'll kick we have it lots off. of stories yeah so yeah. that's okay we'll take turns so here's one and I think you and I have talked about this uh before so I was participating in peer review and I was watching a forensic interview of a young child he's probably seven or eight with uh ha- would I would suggest was on the spectrum, autism spectrum disorder, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that was his formal diagnosis. And the forensic interviewer was great. She really did like so many things to accommodate this kid. She set up the interview, she did all the pre-interview stuff, got how he communicates, and he communicates with this uh, board. He had like yeses and nos that he would do, but he would also speak. So she was going through all the the protocol like the way you would expect her to and this kid was having none of it right so all he wanted was um it was crackers he wanted crackers so she got him some crackers and he he just kept going crackers crackers and then she tried to so she gave him crackers let him eat the crackers then he gets up and he's walking around and she's letting him do that then he sits down on the floor she goes and sits down on the floor with him and then she says, I'll, I'll make up his name, Michael. Michael, um, can you tell me, blah, 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 whatever she's saying. And I don't know if she said, can you, but she, she was trying to I was engage you. I know, you give you a hard time. <laughs> so she, whatever she was doing, her questions were fine. And he would look up and go, break, break. So she'd let him take a break. And I'm watching this go on for like half an hour. And then he come, they come back, they come back in. So he's going in and out and goes back crackers she says well we we're, we don't have any more crackers 
um, wanting him to sort of redirect away from the crackers. So that's good. Like, so we're not talking about crackers anymore. And then he's with pretzels, pretzels. And it kept going and going. And at some point I was thinking this, this kid, and, and I'm referring to the forensic interviewer as a kid. So the forensic interviewer was doing such a great job, was so patient. And I thought she should have stopped this like a half hour ago. Yeah. Uh, I love the effort. It was great. But at some point you may get to this stage where this just, what, what do you say? You say it's not happening. What, yeah. You, today's not the day, today's right? Not the day. It's just not going to happen today. And that doesn't mean that this child can't be interviewed or we shouldn't attempt, you know, a second session with this person, but it's not the day. Sometimes it's not the day. It's not the circumstance. Maybe it's not a great time of day for the person. Maybe it usually it is, but today it's not. So there's yeah. all these things that could come into that room that we can not have control over and have no idea how to overcome it in that moment. Yeah, definitely. And, and right. There may not be a day. So I'm going to give you, I've got one more though, before, before (laughs) you go. And it just made me think of it. And I don't know if I've ever told you this one. So there was a, it was a woman with intellectual disabilities and she was severely malnourished. I mean, when they found her, she had was like 80 pounds and she should probably be about 115, 120 severely malnourished and the district attorney called me and said hey can you do an fi nobody can communicate with her can you come and do an fi and i said sure but just know i'm not like the human whisperer i can't like i can't guarantee right but we always encourage people to try so yeah, yeah. So, so i'm gonna try. try so we go we go to the to her home that's where she was most comfortable she was uh, suffered immense trauma experienced immense trauma and was comfortable in her home they, they so the da myself a couple of the investigators go to her home and i'm like well we just may learn a little bit about her today so we come in she's excited to see everybody and i'm i'm talking with her and i said so where's your room and she was so excited and brought me and showed me her room and then i said well where else do you like to uh, have fun and where else do you like in your home what else do you want to show me and she this was many years ago so I'm trying to think exactly what I was saying but and then she brings me out on the porch and she sits in the swing and wants me to sit next to her and we're swinging and then we go in the other room and then she keeps pointing to the there was like a record player so she loves music so she she wanted to listen to the records that she had so they had a record player so they put it on and she gets up and she's dancing and everything is fine she's happy everything's fine so then we i asked the people ahead of time how does she communicate well she doesn't how does she you know communicate her needs and wants well she'll point to things and take you to things and she can she can understand what you're saying i'm like okay great this is all useful information but she doesn't communicate at all no so after like about 45 minutes of being there and getting her comfortable they said it's time for snack so she sits down do you remember this mm-hmm. you do yeah. so she sits down and we go in the kitchen and they bring out this communication device they had a red button and a green button and they're like do you want apple juice and she hits the red button do you want orange juice she hits the green button and i'm like she's she's got, she's got a fucking communication device <laughs> right. and you guys that's are a t- way to communicate you guys are telling sure. me she didn't communicate like yes no i'm like are you freaking kidding me yes i'm like Oh my gosh. All right. Well, this, this changes things a little bit. So she finishes snacks and then I start talking with her and she's answering questions and it's actually going quite well. And then I said, well, I want to talk about, I'll make up the name again, like the perp Mike. I'll just keep using Mike. I want to talk about Michael. She starts screaming, ah, ah, starts hitting her head, gets up, 
you know, starts pacing around. So, of course, we, you know, take a break for a second. She comes back, switch to something neutral, and then I, I bring up mom's name. She gets up, starts screaming, starts hitting her head, walks around again. And then I'm thinking to myself, all right, I got to try one more time. So we go in. She's calm. Everything's good. We're talking about things. I'm asking her, you know, keeping it basic. She's answering questions, reliably answering questions with the yes, no. And then I said, okay, I know this is difficult for you. And before I even got it out, she stood up and started screaming and hit her in the head. And I was like, I should probably should have stopped before. So at that point, you can't keep going there. Absolutely. And that, that's what I was thinking of is at what point are we, of course, making sure that the best interest of the person in front of us is at the forefront of our mind? And sometimes there's a lot of pressure with investigations and getting the information and feeling like we need to get the information. And this is all being videotaped, too, but just oh, for the course. record. There. Yeah. Like, how much am I and I wasn't obviously trying to re-traumatize her. No, of course not. But that, but that's her response three times, and that, that should be an indicator to us, like, hey, enough's enough, right? That's yeah, when I think they wound up showing that video to the jury. I actually think they did. I can't I can't remember what happened with that. But yeah, it's it's just it's awful what happened to mm -hmm. her. So you, you wanna, you know, get information from her so that the the, the perps can, you know, pay for it. But Right. It's delicate. Yeah, and it's and at some point, right, it's hard for us to know when we've hit that limit. Where is that line? We wanna make sure we don't cross it because we don't want people to be further traumatized by the conversation or, you know, have our it not be that their best interest is in mind. Yeah. So or stop too soon. Exactly. So, so where is that point? So I don't know what that point is, is if you think maybe you should stop, maybe that's the time <laughs> of, of evaluating, especially if it seems like it's really causing some, some trauma to the, to the individual. Yeah. Or even distress, right? If we don't get to the point of trauma, clearly someone's distressed. Yeah. yeah and distress, it's, yeah. yeah. Where do we, because it's a stressful thing to talk about. So in all of our interviews, you know, we could see someone who's feeling stressed, but have they gone to like this distress place or how far? How far does it go? And the other thing I think that's important to point out here is just because we stop on that day doesn't mean it's over. And I think for a long time in interviewing, we thought, oh, we've got this one shot with a person. We've got one opportunity to have a conversation because it was supposed to be this one-time conversation. But I think we've really done a great job of accommodating and thinking about how can we take one interview and break it up over multi-session. So would it be possible to spend a little time with this person today, see how they do? And then, you know, in a couple of days, we pick up where we left off. So I think that there's a lot of ways that we can get creative with overcoming blocks and barriers. Maybe today's not the day. Maybe they're having a better day in a couple of days. So there's lots of ways that we can creatively think about overcoming those blocks and barriers. But at some point, enough really is enough. And we need to make that decision to, to sort of call it, at least for that day, um, once we've done all the things that we know of or we're aware of that we could try. Because like you said, doing that pre-homework is also still important to find out how folks communicate. Yeah, definitely. So I know, I know as we were sort of prepping for this, we did, we did a quick prep, but we just dove right in. I, you, the, the one you're going to bring up now, I think, in that um, recent training we did is going to be really interesting for it. I, I experienced it with y'all and mm -hmm. I'm interested to talk about it again. So, yeah. So sometimes, you know, when we talk in trainings about blocks and barriers, people bring up stuff that we haven't thought of or people have unique situations. But this is something that definitely could come up, I think, you know, here in the United States and, and all over the world as well. But we were doing a training and one of the participants said, hey, so we were doing some work in this, you know, remote area. And there was an issue where one of the leaders 
of this remote village was um, sexually abusing some of the the kids and there was this barrier because families were trying to get their kids to not talk about it because if this person were to be held accountable then it would be devastating for the village because this community leader who is a provider for everybody would no longer be there and so there was concerns about the health and well-being of everybody in the village and so it was sort of this you know families were feeling like they needed to almost make this sacrifice, which is a horrible way to think about it, but families were having to decide between encouraging their kids to talk about it or encouraging their kids not to talk about it, and they felt like it was for sort of the greater good if their kids didn't. And so the, the participant brings this up, and I'm just like, I, 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 I have no idea how to tell you to overcome that. Like, there's almost nothing you could say in some situations. Yeah, and if you remember the... The, you, the, the added complexity of the generational trauma yes. of the caregivers of these children now experience that same abuse themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had to deal with it, uh, was, was part of that, you know, um, experience. Right. So it was almost like normal to or expected. Like, oh, I overcame this. They will too. Or, you know, I know it's just, it's just awful sort of saying out loud. It is. It feels icky to even let it come out. But, you know, we, we brainstormed a little bit about like, well, you know, could there be community resources and depending on, you know, where the place is located or the willingness, you know, to accept that kind of help might be limited um, because of past trauma or generational trauma or other, you know, historical um pieces that we weren't aware of so it was you know we tried sort of brainstorming it but at at the end of the day I just said you know what there's sometimes just barriers we can't break down and that doesn't feel good because we like to think that there's always something we can do and I think that when we say you know when is enough enough those are situations where we try everything we can we use all of our training we use all the tools in our toolbox but at the end of the day you know we can't let that fall on us either to be the one who tries to fix something like that that we certainly have no control over. Yeah, I mean, it's so outside mm-hmm. of there's so many so much complexity to it. So that's why we're talking about it because the, these issues and complexities need to be uh, discussed. And this happens in a lot of fields. Like in the you know I do uh, historically I've done a lot of behavior work, and there are times there, you know, you, you have these skills of behavior analysis, and you've had complex patients and different experiences, and you think like, man, I can handle this. And every now and then you'll come up with some someone and you're like I have no idea what to do this is like way beyond mm-hmm. and it's hard because we're we're used to you know being successful in in the work that we do and we talk about how to be successful in this work and sometimes you're not and it's it's those additional blocks and barriers that uh, we wanted to talk about today because we can't fix everything and we want to right because we're helpers that's that's who we are that's what we do so uh, I guess this is my just shout out to all of our listeners that it's okay to not fix everything because you can't and just remember that no matter how hard you try some things just you know don't make it and today might need, might not be the day and enough might be enough yeah and remember that with like there's a lot more successes we just tend to remember those those what we might label failures so more. true yeah. so true yeah they're the ones that stick out the most all right well that was good it's a fun right. one all right well hopefully this was useful and helpful as scott says and yes uh, <laughs> hopefully this was useful for folks and useful for your time thanks for listening for more information about the work being done by model consulting group visit our website modelconsultinggroup.com or follow us on social media